while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good day and welcome to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and today we're talking about two of my favorite subjects, writing, developing, and producing new plays and the afterlife. Joining us today are two New Yorkers who can share with us their connection with both theater and the beyond. Resident playwright at Manhattan Rep and artistic director of Airplay, a weekly virtual showcase of new plays, Connie Kepfinger. Welcome, Connie. How are you today? Wonderful, Marcello. Nice to be here with you. I feel the same way. It's so good to hear your voice again. And joining Connie today is my new New York City friend, Jay Michaels. Jay Michaels has been part of the New York theater and film community since 1983 as a producer and promotional executive, as well as an award-winning stage and film director. If time permits, later, we'll ask Jay about his love for horror films. But first... Welcome, Jay, to your first time on The Reasonable Voices. And again, welcome back artistic genius Connie Kepfinger with yet another new play to launch in New York. But before we get started, I want to mention that Auditioning for Eternity is a new play by Connie Kepfinger and Dan Carter, which will premiere off-off-Broadway this fall at Theatre for the New City. 155 First Avenue between 9th and 10th on Manhattan's Lower East Side. We should also mention that Dan Carter, who couldn't join us today, will direct Auditioning for Eternity. Now, let's hear more about Auditioning for Eternity. The title says it all, I think. You first, Connie. Tell us about writing a play whose main characters are two female actors, each a star in her own right, both of a certain age, and what was it like collaborating on a script about the quest for redemption and meaning? Well, as the genius Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. Collaborating on this play has made me understand that at a deeper level. I've always been fascinated with the afterlife or the life, because I think, I think it's all one. 
I think afterlife is just a stepping stone to the next life, and then it continues. And that's kind of what theater does. It's the next play, and then when the play is over, we move to the next play. And I think theater people are going to love this show because it uses theater as theater, which is known as metadrama, when you use theater to create theater. I think it's been a wild experience. There's a lot of wild rides in this play. And the play started writing itself, I think, because the natural tendency for the play to be about metaphysics, to be about the afterlife, somehow it just started having a... uh, a mind of its own. I mean, a lot of people say that, you know, the play writes itself, but this play has. And I just want to quote one of my actors who just said this to me. I asked my actor to give me a one-liner about the show. And one of the actresses, Mary Tierney, said, it's astonishing to me how much this play keeps revealing as we work. So that to me is powerful. When the actors love your show and the director loves your show, that's that's when it it makes magic for me. Yes, absolutely. And I was going to ask you later about what the actors think, but we'll we'll touch on the gang later too. Now, Jay, tell me more about you, both independent of and connection to Connie Kepfinger. You're a producer, promotional executive, as well as an award-winning stage and film director. And as if that weren't enough, you are a horror film historian. Did I get that right? Yes, completely. That that came early and late in life. I I collected horror memorabilia, horror film memorabilia, and comic books when I was a kid. And a dear friend of mine uh, was my my fellow my fellow hunter for for all of this memorabilia. And we lost touch. And I I saw him again about five or six years ago. And at that point, he was a producer in California and a screenwriter. And he had a horror film series that he was looking for a host. And out of the blue, he said, I'm going to contact my childhood friend because he knows more about this. And he was judging it from when I was 12. Thank goodness I kept going for the the 40 years on it. And long story short, uh, I ended up hosting a series of documentary interviews with horror film celebrities. And that led to an entire, I won't say second career i'll say about eighth career yes so examining horror films today i'm a guest at several film festivals i host phoenix fear cons festival in arizona and now they're starting a channel called FearCon terror vision and i'm going to be the host and associate producer on a new streaming channel of horror sci-fi and fantasy so basically my my childhood dream has become something quite lucrative for me these Wow, that's really amazing. I mean, it's from 12 years old. Well, you know, we're always auditioning. (laughs) (laughs) So, Connie, tell us more about uh, the cast of Auditioning for Eternity and what they think about your new creation with Dan Carter. Well, the play has had one incredible ally since we started. Her name is Mary Tierney, and she is a fabulous actress. And she has a legacy that started way back in her early years after college. She worked in Ireland. She worked all over New York. She worked with Joe Path. 
in the early days. And she's just a phenomenal woman who shares her talent and time with so many people. She's on the board of directors at Theater for the New City. And she has a class three times a week at Theater for the New City that's open to the public, open to actors of all shapes and sizes. Mm -hmm. And uh, Theater New City is a very, very cool legacy building. Um, Sam Shepard's. So a lot of, there's five different theaters in the complex and it's just a really awesome place. Also in the cast is Carla Susan Lewis, who plays opposite Mary and Beth Griffith, who plays Helen Hayes. And that's hard to do, uh, I think, to do a, a character of somebody who's still alive in the memories of people mm-hmm. and to top that off we have kevin g shinnick playing edwin booth uh-huh. and edwin booth i mean i wasn't that familiar with edwin booth before this play i mean i knew of him i knew he started the players club but it's interesting because we're doing a play about theater in set in the players club And at one of the rehearsals, we knew we wanted to write a play that was set in the Players Club. And we set it in the Players Club because that's where where Mary, Charity, and I hang out and eat. And the interesting thing is we were – first we decided that one of the players, one of the the women, the older women, was dead. And when we went to find her voice, we realized – that it's not enough to make a voice sound ethereal. Mm. It's not enough to have some kind of conception of it. I wanted something real, something real that I could hold on to. And we realized that the voice would come from the portraits of the players. And that voice would then come alive in the play. And so that is a statement in and of itself that theater lives forever and that we're part of the lively arts. We're part of the living tradition. And that says something about art in general, that art is here to keep us alive. It is here to enliven our lives and you know the whole idea that theater is a stage and we are the players gives us into what's going on in rehearsal on the stage in our lives why do people come and sit in front of a stage and watch Mm. you know why why, what are we doing exactly you know theater mirrors life and maybe we're given art for a tool to help us understand not just our lives, but life with the big L, the big, you know, the the big picture of life. Life is a creation. So is theater. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's something bigger here. And that's what people keep saying to me about the play, that this play, I had one actress, a very talented woman, say to me, my God, I got shivers reading this play. Mm -hmm. And another woman said to me, this play it just puts you in a space that i i'm not even sure where i'm at and it's you know it's and that's just reading it now combining it with production with the brilliance of legendary director dan carter cast and crew it's phenomenal the the energy that's going to go into this 
play that came basically out of nowhere. We were sitting at a at a dinner and thinking about this and and talking about this play and this kind of a play two women getting together at the end of their life and trying to repair or trying to write their own life story at the end mm. you know so it's very very special to me it's just it, and it has a life it's up I don't think it came from nowhere I think I think you two ladies sitting where you were sitting you know full of all the inspiration swirling around you and of course believing in being receptive to all that's around you whether it's visible or not visible i think it came from very special places and that's why it touches you so much and it will touch everyone else too i'm just i'm getting uh <laughs> you know i'm getting what do i want to say goosebumps just listening to yes. you talk about it all right this is incredible introduction to the new play auditioning for eternity we have as our guest today playwright Connie Kepfinger, and promotional executive Jay Michaels. Well, Jay, you've been so helpful. This has been grand. It's such a great show. If you could tell us how to get in touch with you and your company, your contact information first that you care to give, social media, whatever. I, I work as a production consultant. I work as a promotional executive. I have a boutique PR firm that also handles the production consultation and I also have a not-for-profit arts organization, all of which I, I spearhead. You can reach me, telephone number 466-338-5472. And the best or the quickest email, if you will, and the easiest to remember, is jmcommnet -E at gmail.com. jmcommnet at gmail.com. And I, I'm... I'm I'm one of those those terrible press people who believes his own hype. Tell me all about your show. I'll get tremendously excited, and I would be thrilled to work with you. Excellent. And now, what do you want us to take away from this conversation? Connie's play uh, hits it on so many interesting levels because we we see we we still admire the great actors of way back when and we watch their movies and we read about them and we see videos of them on stage so for her to do a play about seeking the advice of those before us really talks about what the theater and what this country is right now we we need to look to the future by looking at what we did in the past what did we do to, to pull ourselves out of other situations. How did we bounce back after AIDS? How did we bounce back after 9-11? How do we bounce back? And, and grab hold of that, not to say, let's just go back and do the same thing, but okay, how can I understand the psyches of the young artists coming out of, coming out of, of conservatory and university? How can I make the audience get out of and go up in the theater, even though they have to wear a mask, what do I have to do to give them comfort? What do I have to do to entice them artistically? Basically, Connie's, Connie's play is sort of like, we need to look at the past, we need to hold on to that, and use it as fodder to enhance the future. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jay. Jay, this has been fabulous. So we wish you all the very best. Appreciate Thank you being on the show. You. Well, pleasure. 
Thank you so much, Professor J. Michaels, for stopping by. I know you told us before we went on air that your schedule would only permit you to stay for the first segment, but you've added so much to the show, and and Connie and I both appreciate your being on today to discuss the new play, Auditioning for Eternity, written by Connie Kepfinger and Dan Carter. Thank you, Jay. We'll catch you the next time around. So long for now, and stay with us. We'll be right back with Connie Kepfinger. Don't go away. This is so much fun. I love working with the fabulous Marcello Rolando with me on the other side of the camera, or microphone in this case. For years, Marcello was a splendid addition to the cast of Another World on NBC. He was the owner, manager, man in charge of Tops, our swanky restaurant in Bay City. And as a producer and director on the show, I got to see him more often than most and was thrilled to have him on board. I depended on him to take charge, which he did with a plum. Our cast, including the lovely Linda Dano, Stephen Schnetzer, Charles Keating, all remarked how special he was to have there. He made everyone, regular cast members and guest actors alike, feel special and welcome. Marcello adds a touch of class to whatever he does, and we were thrilled to have him with us on our show for such a long time. He is so thoughtful now to reach out to his peers for a conversation about how we're all surviving this pandemic. It's a challenge, but with each other's help and support, we will survive with more stories to tell. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. And if you're just joining us, We've been having a delightfully out-of-this-world conversation about two of my favorite subjects, writing, developing, and producing new plays, and the afterlife. Flying solo and joining us for segment two is my good friend, resident playwright at Manhattan Rep, and artistic director of Airplay, a weekly virtual showcase of new plays, Connie Kepfinger. Oh, Connie, by the way, before I forget, you did mention during the intermission another quote from one of the members of the cast, this time Carla Susan Lewis, quoting, Carla is thrilled to embody Rose Diamond in Auditioning for Eternity, a heavenly love letter to theater and life, unquote. That again is from Carla Susan Lewis, who plays Rose Diamond in Auditioning for Eternity. Now, Back to our conversation. You know, Connie, in segment one, you and I talked about how plays come to us, or for that matter, any artistic inspiration. So I'd like to take that moment beyond the visible here and now and ask you where you think the arts are going to take us next, to infinity and beyond. Yes. Yes. And I think I think we're in a place right now with the new millennium. I think that we're in a place where art is going to take a major surge. This is the second golden age. Yes. And right now, this is the renaissance of the renaissance. And and I, you know, I, I seriously believe that a lot of the people that were in the renaissance then are back now. For a second time around. I let's see. Just, let's do this. Let's make art bigger than life. What do you think about uh, the, our potential return? Do we know we're back a second time, or do we start from scratch? What do you think? Well, here's something interesting. I realized that I we have we we know we're back because 
when we have reverberations of life comes together with thoughts and feelings. Yes. And when these thoughts and feelings come into your mind in life, in your living presence now, then where do you get, Yes. you know, where, where do they come from? And I think that they come from past lives and future imaginings. Mm -hmm. So you have memory and imagination, like the great acting director Stanislavski put out there, that we can create theater with memory of emotion and memory of imagination. Yes. Well, guess what, Marcello? That's all we have, too. We have memories and we have imagination. Exactly. And we have the moment. We're in the moment. Yes. And when we're in is when we perfect our human life form. We are human life forms that can conform, be formed. But when we perform, we perfect the form. And this form comes alive at a higher level, which we call art, you know? Yes. So I think, I think you know, we need art right now, too. And especially in this, you know, we came out of the dark times of, pandemic where we're like looking at death every day we actually need things now that can shed light on the darkness and bring us back to our creative potential wow the arts have, have saved us many times and and uh, just in world war ii when everyone thought the world was falling apart for the second time in 20 years it was movies and and news clips it was the movie houses and i mean it was it was art of, of any kind that made us come together as a people and gave us hope, you know, that th- things were going to work out. So it's not much of a stretch to say, hey, we come back, we get another shot at it. And, and I have to say, and I haven't said this to anybody, I can't believe I'm saying it on air. Um, I have experimented with this a bit, if that's the right word. I have certain, and sometimes, because I believe in meditation and so forth, and I practice that on a regular basis, but this time I meditated on a time in the past when I was X, Y, Z, but I was just, you know, I wanted to see if anything would talk to me. And man, oh man, was there a physical response to that as well as an emotional one. I didn't stay long because I didn't quite know, of course, what I was dealing with, but clearly, the brain remembered something, and when I gave it permission to communicate, it communicated with me first physically. I felt myself being physically different, and this sounds too crazy, Connie. <laughs> no, I know, uh, but but I mean, I think you are really onto something, and of course, your plays all of your plays have that extra reaching beyond the reality of what we see in our human reality in in physical presence there's always that aura of this is something more and that there's some characters in the room that we don't all see but if we're lucky we feel their presence what do you think absolutely absolutely and i think I do meditation as well. I do Sahaja Yoga morning and night, and it's a meditative practice that yoga meaning union with mm-hmm. the divine, and it just connects you. And the woman who founded this yoga back in 1970, 
how can you know the meaning of your life until you're connected to the power that created you? Mm. And if you can connect to that, I believe that we connect vertically to a higher power to get in the zone that is neither less or right, neither future or past, mm. that you're in the moment. And when you step into that moment, the moment that you're alive right here and now, when you step into that live moment, when you're live, then you can know what's going on and you can take the next step. It's like you're in the play, mm. you know, you're in the play of your own life and you're taking the next step and you know, it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be right. You know, it's going to be true. And that's another thing that people were saying about this, this play that, you know, Terry Wesolowski, my associate director, she said, death is not the end. Culturally, we somehow are taught that, that this play shows us the truth. Well, it sounds like you not only have the perfect cast dramatically, they're very much in tune with the playwright and what's on the page and what's beyond. Do you get that feeling? I mean, from what you're saying, they're talking about it. Absolutely. I get that feeling all the time. I use uh, part of my meditative practice with a little bit of chant in the play. So I was teaching the chant to um, one of the actresses, Carla Susan Lewis, and she said to me, this sounds so familiar. And then the next time I met with her to teach her the, the chant and the mm -hmm. rhythm of the chant, she said, I miss this woman. And I kid you not, there's a, there's a fictional account of meeting this ascended master person. Uh -huh. And there's in the play, and the actress tells me that she actually met her and something very similar happened where the woman hugged her after the meditation and there was this amazing experience with Shrimatogy. I mean, it, it was phenomenal. She met her in 1993. Oh. And, you know, this is this has happened to me. This is why I do theater. No matter how much we struggle to get something done, there's always the magic moments. The magic moments just blow me away. And that's when life and time come together where there's like a light in my face where I'm saying, wow, yeah. I see things differently, you know? Do you ever, as a writer, sometimes, well, I'll, I'll equate it with this, uh, uh, just as an example. There are times, and I've heard from people, and I've experienced this too, that I drive home some great distance, and the next thing I know, I'm at home. Now, I'm not yes. suggesting I, you know, except with you, maybe I could, but I'm not suggesting that I've been transported necessarily. That's not my point. My point is that when we sort of get to this half dream state, not that I'm suggesting that when you drive, you know, life goes on. It doesn't take a pause. It goes on. So as a writer, are there times when you sit down and you're so impressed with what you're doing, but you don't want to stop and think about that because you want to stay in the moment? So you sort of try to stay focused without dictating. Does that make sense as a question? Oh, my favorite moment of that was back in 1996. I went to a play that was a very long play called <laughs> Castle. It was a medieval drama. I was dead tired. And after the show, I went to say like, congrats to the cast. And one of the women in the cast, oh, you have to come to the cast. So tired. <clears throat> Next thing I know, I start talking to one of the actors and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. Oh, and I get home at four o'clock in the morning. I'm still dead tired, not thinking at all. I woke up at six 
10, like a shot. Mm. Looked at my clock and said, it's 10, what am I doing now? Went right down to my computer, and by 10.30, a play was written. Yeah. That play was called Coffee House Magic. Oh, yes. It does published again now by Next Stage Press, and it's, it's a very metaphysical play. It's one of my first metaphysical plays. It's about how and the why of life. Yes. How a Howard's effect and Derek Wyman and their how and the why of how life makes itself. But I mean, and then I called at about 10.30, I called the, direct, the actor that I was talking to and I said, Brian, you just finished a play. He said, Connie, it's 10.30. We just got home, didn't we? <laughs> I said, yeah, this play, it's out at me. And the lead character in the play, his name's Derek Wyman, he's an actual dream week. He weaves people's dreams. And he just came out of this. He was, I want to say, in the room with me because he was mm. not even dictating. That's not the point. He, the play was just being, I don't even know where my hands were. I don't know where my was. I had coffee on the side. I know that. <laughs> well, I, I have to say, I know that feeling. And I'm glad uh, to. Uh, to hear someone like you, I mean, I write, but but Connie really writes great plays, really great plays. And I, uh, there is one script that I've worked on that I, I really, I didn't even sit down really to write a play. It was the songs were brought to me by a composer lyricist friend that I worked with years ago. And he wanted to know if anything could be done with it. He said cabaret would be enough. And I said, well, I'll look at it. And I don't know, there was something about the songs and something about the day. And I just sat down and I wrote and I don't I don't remember much of it. And yet now I have a literary agent because of it. And uh, and I had said to her, I said, you know, I have to confess. I never forget we were Zooming and I said, I have to confess. I did. I don't know that I really wrote this play. And she got this horrible look on her face like, oh, my God. And I went, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I was physically there. My fingers touched the keyboard. But beyond that, I I don't know how much credit I can take. So those moments happen when we're open to them. That's for sure. And you Absolutely. don't even and it's not that you have to meditate because the, the art of meditation I always tell people, when you pray, that's you talking to the universe, to God, to whoever you're praying to. When you meditate, that's their half of the conversation. Exactly. And, you know, and so and all you have to do is listen. That's right. And sometimes I guess it goes through your fingertips, huh, Connie? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Absolutely. We should probably go soon, but I want to make certain that we give them all the information about how they can see and when they can see Auditioning for Eternity directed by Dan Carter and written by Dan and Connie Kepfinger. Tell us, uh, let's see, reservations. It's, what is it? 212-254-1109. And how do we get tickets and how much? And of course, we mentioned it is Theater for the New City. So tell us anything you want us to know about how to see the play, dates and all of that. Well, we open September 23rd, which is a Friday night. We will have a preview, pay what you can preview on September 22nd, Thursday night. So the night before we open, we'll have a pay what you can preview. That's a theater for the new city tradition um, for anybody who can. If you can pay a dollar, that's fine. If you can pay $20, that's fine. But our standard tickets will be $18 and starting on Friday for the open. Okay. And you can go to the theater for the new city dot net 
website. You can get tickets online, or you can call and reserve seats. Okay, so again, that number is 212-254-1109, and the website is theaterforthenewcity.net backslash shows dash two, number two, backslash. But uh, but you can always, of course, go to their website and you can find them, Theater for the New City. So, Connie, we do have to go, but I, I want to ask you, I mean, we've talked about so much, all of it, extremely, uh, what moving is not enough of a word. I mean, I'm having, uh, I'm having, what do I want to say, mental palpitations. I'm having emotional recall. I'm having all of that. Stanislavski and Chekhov and all. Of, anyway, but... Um, Tell me, uh, I know we've, we've talked about auditioning for Eternity. That's why we were here. The title itself, all your titles are just, you know, they go, oh, my God, you know, and they, they can scare you and frighten you, and yet they pull you in because they're so clear, and you deliver. But I want, before we go, you to tell us what, as a writer, as a metaphysical person, as a director, as a New Yorker, however you want, as a woman, a grandmother, however you want to put it, what is it you hope we take away from this conversation? In this conversation, I just want to say that I think that the arts can make the world a better place. And that if we use the arts to shine a light on the darkness, we may be able to rid the world of senseless violence. Excellent. Well, Connie Kepfinger. Always great to reconnect with you. It's an absolute pleasure. And I hope and wish, I wish you all the best all the time. You know that. Call me anytime. Come Marcello. on the show, whatever. Okay? Thank you. Thank you, Marcello. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Now... From Auditioning for Eternity, I'd like to introduce you to the song, Bring Only Your Love, composed by Joe Isaac and featured in Auditioning for Eternity. Remember, Auditioning for Eternity opens September 22nd and runs through October 9th. Off-Off-Broadway at the legendary Theater for the New City. Crystal Field, Executive Director. This new exciting play, Auditioning for Eternity, is directed by Dan Cotter and stars Beth Griffith, Carla Susan Lewis, Kevin Schenick, and Mary Tierney. Auditioning for Eternity playwrights Connie Keptinger and Dan Cotter promise to challenge the way you think about life and death. Now, as we transition to composer Joe Eisen's music, Bring Only Your Love, ponder on auditioning for eternity.
I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. It's not just who, what, when, where, how, but why we are here. Timing is everything, but common sense is fleeing our judgment when we know the truth that sets us free, but refuse to admit it, even to ourselves. Why do mostly Caucasian conservative Republicans refuse to believe that Biden-Harris won the election against Trump-Pence, clinging to the belief that a Biden-Harris victory means our country is being taken away from them? Why do in Trump we trust apostles, insist on threatening election workers and committing acts of violence as if our constitutional freedom of expression includes the right to attack Asians for COVID, Congress for election certification, and FBI agents for fulfilling their legal obligation to protect we the people from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And why are religious Americans ignoring this de facto perversion of love thy neighbor as thyself into love my neighbors living in my neighborhood who look, think, and vote in lockstep with me? Why are Wyoming Republicans expected to punish truth rather than re-elect a 93% pro-Trump voting record? Why do we continue to tune in to Netflix to watch the most untrue story of Ben Carson's life, played by Cuba Gooding Jr., and floating on Oscar hot air from Ben Affleck's Argo, embellishing America's actions in freeing hostages from Iran at the insufferable and insulting minimizing of the truer heroics of our British allies risking hiding Americans in their embassy? Why? Perhaps because, like the characters in Joe versus the Volcano, we are largely a nation of followers, electing to give power to greed, then mesmerizingly returning to indoctrinated make-believe, like the informative air disaster mystery-solving black box is actually orange. Why is Operation Lone Star failing when Texas Governor Abbott continues to bus migrants seeking asylum from Texas to Washington, D.C. and New York City? Why the cost to Texas taxpayers or the fact that many states have migrants relocating from their homeland to American cities all over the country and most are lovingly accepted and helped to build and contribute to a new and better life in and for a United States of freedom and justice for all. So why is it that America's conservative Republicans, in the wake of our FBI retrieving classified material from Mar-a-Lago, still, against all evidence gathering to the contrary, prefer the big lie, which will probably cause, quoting, terrible things to happen, unquote, if we continue to ignore our tragic history lessons like Charles Manson convinced his inner circle of impressionable young girls that he was Jesus and therefore they should kill people. Jim Jones ordered hundreds of his followers to kill themselves as a revolutionary act. Texan Marshall Applewhite incited mass suicide as prep for spaceship taking followers through heaven's gate. David Koresh claimed he was a messiah, and while preaching the end of the world, impregnated sect women and had sex with underage girls. 
not being able to medically identify a sociopath or psychopath is understandable and forgivable. But perhaps it is our civic duty to hold these truths to be self-evident. Millions of normally good-hearted, empathetic, reasonably intelligent American adults need to justify, if only to themselves, why they fail to recognize from the above list the similar characteristics in the modus operandi in a president who is a pathological, self-serving liar. As for believers in common sense, rather than labeling those with whom we disagree stupid, we need to master the wisdom garnered in this truth. By helping others, even those bitterly opposed to us, we help ourselves. Why? Since Trump's June 2015 escalator dissent resurrected America's historical bigotry, deceit, evil intent, and the superiority lies we tell ourselves, why have we become media-addicted to those who broadcast excuses for Trump's inclinations toward North Korea and Russia's dictations in utter disregard for our intelligence? Why have we allowed Trump the freedom to target those he deems worthy only for their blind loyalty and donations to him? Why haven't a third of Americans grasped the possibility that Trump is more likely the logical extension of Nixon's Watergate, Ford's pardon, the GOP's canonization of Reagan's John Wayne imitation, mythologically the Gipper as inaugurating the release of Iran-held American hostages, thus laying the welcome mat for war criminals G.W. Bush and Cheney, mounting Trump as an ornamental justification for the faux foxy vehicle motor-mouthing Murrow and Cronkite to unmarked graves. Really, why would any former president flush or illegally transport classified documents from White House to his house? Let's ask ourselves. Why, with a preponderance of evidence of conservative Republicans projecting their sins, like election fraud and fake elections, attempted 2020 election steal, violently turning against all that makes America's exceptional dream of justice for all, onto fellow Americans who dare defend our democratic republic. Now, shall we courageously face our mirrored reflection and answer, why are we here? Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.